Dim the lights, turn off the screens, put on your blue blocking glasses, get out your cup of chamomile tea, pull on a cozy blanket, because today we're talking sleep here on Elevate Ordinary. See you in a moment. And welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And, and we thank you for joining us again for this conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, beauty, and goodness. Looking at those moments and those aspects of everyday life to see what God is sending us and how we can engage it more fully and fruitfully. Uh, today we're talking sleep. Uh, we, uh, it's a favorite topic of ours and we, we came prepared for it. So we're dressed in our robes for those of you yeah, who for those can't tell to, they're, they're quite uh, comfy or sloth cloths as we like to call them around our house. Yeah. But before we get to the topic today, I want to tell you about the awaken app. If you go to the awaken you can download the app. It's the best way to follow awaken Catholic content. And if you're a member of the awaken nation, which you can join by going to awakencatholic.org and joining the nation through a one-time recurring donation. There's actually lots of neat exclusive content available for you on the app. So check those out. But also while you're at it, download the Hallow app, hallow.app slash awaken. It's a great Christian meditation app. A lot of us here use it. And if you get the 30-day free premium subscription, it supports our ministry. And we thank you for that. So Teresa, we want to talk about sleep today. Yeah. And as always for this podcast, we are insanely prepared with what we're going to speak about. Ah, yes. Uh, so I have in my hand two books, two directions <laughs> to go, and I'm just going to pick at the last second us, which one I'm going to go with first. Um, so we wanted to talk about sleep today. It was actually brought up um, on the Awakened Catholic app, which is an app that you can download on your phone, like John Mark just said, where you can interact with the creators. And someone interacted with these creators and suggested that we do an episode on sleep mm-hmm. um, because we're actually... I can't say sleep Nazis, even though I just did. Um, that's what I used to call us, but I probably shouldn't call us that because I'm a historian and well, I we, know better. We appreciate, yeah, we've come to appreciate it and, and prioritize it more in our lives. And, yeah, and yeah. and I mean, like, so we have five kids, 10 and under. Mm-hmm. So you may wonder how we prioritize sleep, but boy, we do. Um, so first, rather than take you on like our journey, which I want to get to in a second, I want to read to you some statistics uh, because I think it'll set the stage. So this is one of our uh, favorite books. It's called The Perfect Health Diet. It's by fellow Catholics, Paul Paul and Jan- and Sushing Jaminet, both PhDs, both work for Harvard. Um, I think Sushing is like a major cancer, cancer researcher. researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul is like an astrophysicist who now is like does nutrition and things like that. Um, but in this book, they have a really succinct chapter on circadian rhythms mm-hmm. and circadian rhythms essentially are um, just the fact that the body works on a clock and yeah. releases different hormones at different times of day based on your environmental cues. Mm-hmm. So some of those cues would be light. You saw our blue blocking glasses on at the beginning of this episode, which were actually yeah. kind of hard to like. We took them off and the whole <laughs> world looked really bright. <laughs> it looks very strange when yeah. we took them off. Um, you know, eating, exercise, things like that, things you do during the day and things you do during the night mm-hmm. and really... Um, uh, we want to focus on uh, the way to get the best sleep and to prioritize the sleep. And we will yeah. bring theology and philosophy into this. Well, but I did want to start with. 
Yeah. And before science. you get into it, I just want to say to, con- to contextualize it more here too. Again, thinking about the theme of this show, elevating the ordinary thing. How do we do that? How do we elevate something ordinary? And I was thinking about this today. There's, there's always two aspects of that. I think the first thing is to, to pluck something out of our day-to-day life where we maybe are so used to it. It just seems so normal, so ordinary to us. And look at it kind of in isolation. We look at it. What's the nature of this thing? What are aspects of this thing that I, I, I've missed or I don't haven't appreciated? You know, and, and then once you've done that, once you maybe have embraced the thing that, that you've hitherto taken for granted, then to replace that thing back in the, in the bigger picture, in the context of your life and the purposes for which mm-hmm. God created you. And so, you know, with that in mind, like the first step here, we, we want to, you know, look at sleep. Maybe it's something obviously we all do every day. Hopefully, hope you're sleeping every day. But, you know, what is the nature of it? What's it for? Where did it come from? What, how does it affect the other parts of our life? You know, and that's where we kind of want to start. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that a lot of our topics turn out to be like really the answer is a fuller integration of body mm-hmm. and spirit, yeah. you know, and in so many ways, so many heresies um, of our modern living come out of just this isolation of one or the other, yeah. you know, pretending that your, your body is a lifestyle choice, yeah. you know, whatever you want to do with your body is peripheral as long as you have a good spiritual life, which yeah. yes, but we can get in. We can get into heresy. We can talk about that later. So I want to talk a little bit about circadian rhythms of science. The human body runs on a daily cycle. Some bodily functions happen at night while we sleep, others during the day. When circadian rhythms are disrupted, disease often results. For instance, night shift workers whose bodies are in a perpetual state of jet lag are at greater risk of developing cancer, heart disease, metabolic syndrome, and diabetes, hypothyroidism, and a host of other diseases. Infertility may often be due to disrupted circadian rhythms. Mice whose circadian rhythms are altered have difficulty conceiving and carrying pregnancies to term. And actually, this is interesting because we learned this. Like if you have learned NFP, natural Mm -hmm. family planning or fertility awareness method, you'll learn that part of that is tracking your daily body temperature. And you have to do it at the same time every single day. Like you can't even shift it a half hour or an hour because when you wake up, as soon as your body starts getting those signals that it's daytime, Mm -hmm. it releases different hormones and your temperature changes, you know, so you get an altered um, basal body temperature, which is what you're trying to track when you're tracking your fertility. Um, I thought that was was kind of interesting. Um, Butter. So like butter that you spread on your bread, butter causes obesity in rodents when they eat it at all hours, disrupting their circadian rhythms. But if they are allowed to eat it only during an eight hour feeding window that conforms with their normal circadian rhythm feeding period, they do not become obese. White blood cells involved in antibody generation circulate at night while inflammation is tampered down during the day. This is why sound sleep is so important for immunity. Poor sleep depresses antibody formation. Mice infected while immune function is low at which immune function is low at the point of the daily cycle are more likely to die than mice infected at other times. Light exposure is the most powerful factor setting our circadian rhythms. And think about it. I mean, we, we live in a, in a globe. Okay. In a world. Um, some people live in cold climates. Some people live in warm climates. Some people, um, you know, 
we have access to different kinds of food depending on where we live, different types of exercise depending on where we live. If we live in a flat place like Northwest Ohio, we're not climbing a lot of mountains. Um, so, so some external things vary, but the sun comes up and the sun goes down on all of humanity, no matter where you are. Um, and it's only recently that we've had this development of tiny little suns that can be on all the time. And if it's so, you know, if it's so powerful that it sets your hormones and here we are like throwing it out of whack with all of our, you know, little tiny suns all over the place. Light bulbs at night, screens, phones in bed, all that kind of stuff. We we want hospitals to be, you know, open all hours of the night and we want to be able to drive places even when it gets dark. So I'm not like anti drawbacks, pros and cons to any technology. Yeah. But I think it's really important to be. Aware. aware of it. And so we both have, I mean, like I probably considered myself a night owl, mm. you know, for the majority of my life, just someone who just, just couldn't fall asleep at night. Mm. Right. So I'd stay up and I'd watch more and more and more and more TV because I was just awake and I couldn't go to sleep and I just couldn't go to sleep. Um, and I spent most of my life like that until maybe we had our second baby. And, um, I had started to notice that the more I was up with her at night, the angrier of a person I was during the day. And this is coming from someone who I'm a pretty even keel person. I don't get very angry unless I'm under extreme stress or like have postpartum depression or something along those lines. Um, You know, and I was really shocked by the amount of anger that was occurring during the day. And at some point I was just like, honey, we have to make a plan Mm -hmm. for our nighttime. We have to make a plan so that my, nighttime brain, which I don't think we can trust our nighttime brains. I think we need to go to sleep (laughs) (laughs) at night and we need to shut our nighttime brain off because I think you get a little crazy. A lot of the dumbest things that happen to humanity happen between the hours of like 10 and 2, I think, you know, in the middle of the night. So, you know, we made a plan and I started getting sleep and I became like a better person. Yeah, we just know, yeah, with the, the big effect that that had yeah. prioritizing that. And, and so we were, we were looking into more sleep things and we started learning about like blocking out blue light or like lights from, yeah. you know, the, the street lights or things like that kind of making. We just noticed that, you know, we noticed that, oh, that's interesting. If, you know, light has an effect on this, we started looking around us and recognizing, oh, well, I get in bed with my big bright blue phone glaring in my eyes. Oh, and there's a big giant street light shining right at my, right in my window at night. And we, you know, we don't never thought about those things before, but because of health problems that we were having and, and different aspects of our life, we were looking into this and recognizing that, huh, you know, there's lots of these things that affect sleep, but we never really think of them. We never, and we never think about how, again, as you pointed out earlier, how our society has just introduced all these things that, that uh, disrupt what would have been normal for the human body the normal light, the normal temperature, the normal kind of pattern of the day. You know, we, we have the, we have the power, we have the technology to change all those things, control all those things. But now we have to look back a, a little bit and, and recognize maybe our body needed certain cues, um, mm-hmm. to, to regulate that pattern so that we get optimum sleep so that we feel optimum when we're awake. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty shocking when mm-hmm. we did finally introduce like, okay, we're going to decide an arbitrary time at night, seven thirty or something like that, where we're just going to switch over to like covering our staying in a couple different rooms, covering the windows yeah, we, and like we had our blue blocking glasses on or like orange nightlights. We switched over to orange instead of you know, bright white. And it was funny because like after maybe a half hour, an hour, I couldn't stay awake. Mm. I was just so tired that like sleep just kind of came. And I I really noticed that too. Yeah. With with, with screens, like if I'd keep my screen out, like I could stay awake forever. But as Mm -hmm. soon as I uh, take those sources of light out, 
you know, like naturally my body would just start to yeah. feel sleepy. You well, know? your body begins producing melatonin mm-hmm. because it doesn't see the blue light anymore. And we're not here to, to expound the science in an extensive way. We'll point <laughs> you to some sources of, it, sources of it, but this isn't like crazy stuff. I mean, actually it was a few years ago, uh, the Nobel prize for science, I believe was mm-hmm. by, was for the guy who was exploring this particular aspect of circadian rhythms, the, the blue light at night and the effect on circadian rhythms. So again, we're not going to be exhaustive here. We'll point to some sources. We're just introducing the idea to talk about how sleep fits in our life. But on this, on this notion of how it affects, you know, how light in particular affects our, our patterns, our rhythms, you had a really cool quote that you found earlier today. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna, um, so we love CS Lewis mm-hmm. and I think, a lot of people do. Um, but he has this uh, space trilogy. The middle book is Paralandra, and it's set on this Edenic world, Venus. Venus. Yeah. Um, but it's pre-fall Venus, and the mm-hmm. whole point of it is to, you know, kind of figure out what happened before the fall and how the fall happened and how it's being redone here on Paralandra. Um, but Lewis is so interesting because so many, like he, he's just very astute when it comes to natural things and how natural things affect the human. Um, and the first time this character ransom falls asleep Mm -hmm. on Paralandra, um, it's not as if he goes to sleep, like how we make these decisions. Oh, it's bedtime. We need to go to bed. Sleep takes him over. And I, I wanted to read it. It's yeah. a little long, so bear with me. It's an equal. So he's kind of like he's floating in this oceany, like this vacillating ocean landscape. Um, but before the great apocalyptic colors had died out in the west, and the eastern he- the eastern heaven was black, a few moments, and the blackness had re- reached the western horizon. A little reddish light lingered in the zenith for a time, during which he crawled back into the woods. It was, it was already in, car, in common parlance, too dark to see your way. But before he had lain down among the trees, the real night had come. Seamless darkness, not like night, but like being in a coal cellar. Darkness in which his own hand held before his face was totally invisible. Absolute blackness. The undimensioned, the impenetrable pressed on his eyeballs. There was no moon in that land. No stars pierced the golden roof. But the darkness was warm. Sweet new scents came stealing out of it. The world had no size now. Night covered him like a blanket and kept all loneliness from him. The blackness might have been the blackness might have been his own room. Sleep came like a fruit which falls into the hand almost before you have touched the stem. Oh, I love that quote. I love, I love so many aspects book. of that. I love the end of it. You know, certainly the last part of that quote talking about, you know, sleep coming as a fruit. It reminds me you know, that uh, it's interesting in scripture, we'll get into this more a little bit later on, but you know, throughout scripture, if you do a a search for sleep, you know, obviously sleep's going to be talked about in many different contexts. Sometimes it's talked about as, you know, the lazy sluggard who won't get up in the morning, but oftentimes, you know, it's talking about sleep as this gift from God. Mm -hmm. And I love it in, in that quote, how, you know, sleep being received as a fruit, as a gift received in this, this receptivity in Proverbs, uh, it says, oh, no, Psalms 127, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil for God gives his, to his beloved sleep. You know, if we, if we strive too much, we don't receive from God or Proverbs three, if you sit down, you will not be afraid when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Sleep as this gift, this, this rest that we don't take, but we receive. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting thing to keep in mind here, especially as we later on, we approach 
this in terms of virtue? How do we fit this into our life? How do we approach it? That's good to keep in mind. Yeah. Scripture also says that, um, like we should be in God's arms. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't know the quote, but we should be in God's, God's arms, like a, a newly weaned baby. Yeah. Or night has you know, no, like yeah. when the baby is so, has just nursed and is so drunk and they just can't stay awake <laughs> and they are just like they're just drunk. cold in your arms. Um, it is, that's a mm-hmm. gift. You know, when, if God tells us we need to be like that, then we do, we need to see sleep is like this, this great gift. And I think science shows us now more and more the incredible things that occur while we are sleeping, while we are getting real restful sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And that it is this regenerative gift that God gives us every day. Um, Yeah, there's a great book by, uh, I'll put in the notes here, but Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. If you are interested in more of the science of this, that's a, a pretty recent book. That does a good overview of a lot of kind of the latest science exploring this natural thing. And we know, of course, you know, there's no uh, science and faith are complementary here. Science explores this fairy tale that God has put us in. It explores its rules and its laws and its regularities, its patterns, you know, its functions. And so it, if we if we look at it in that context, then, you know, the exploration of science about our bodies, about the nature of sleep uh, is it's an act of faith, too. It's an act of uh of exploring the mind of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, especially with having a bunch of kids and um, a lot of work, I feel like is just never, it never diminishes. My work never diminishes. There's always more to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes going to sleep, like when you first started getting into sleep, um, it sounds great. But then at some point I'm like, I could get a lot more done if I just (laughs) stayed up a little bit longer. And then I'm like torn between this, like, I really should do what my husband says, what I, what he wants me to do, what he wants for our family. If we're saying we're going to prioritize sleep, then I need to go to sleep and trust that tomorrow morning things will go well for our family because we've decided this as a couple. It's something, you know, Mm. my husband really wants me to do. And I need to trust that if I put those things first and go to sleep, God will take care of us. And he does. He does. Yeah. Well, that's again, that, that's, and then we'll talk about this a little bit about, you know, as we, we've talked a lot about the virtues on this show, the preeminence of prudence, we've talked about sloth. We're going to get back into those a little bit uh, in a bit here regarding sleep, you know, cause again, we, we just want to know with this, with this thing, this thing called sleep, we want to know what it is so that we can um, respond to it accordingly. And that's what prudence is to resp- the right response to reality. As we like to say, I wanted to point out one more thing about that quote that you read that I love. I love his sort of visceral description of the experience of, of darkness, mm. you know, looking into the blackness, mm. yeah. you know, and that's what's interesting. I love about that quote is that again, it points out how in, in much of our artificial world today, the artificial world we've created for ourselves. Again, there's so many good things about our technologies and our innovations, but we, we sometimes forget that there are again aspects of the natural world that our bodies are expecting, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, there are experiences that we won't have if we're not mindful of, of what we're doing to our environment. You know, like how often do we really get to see a clear starry sky or something you point out a lot, like if I've been sitting in my office for a long time, you know, a small, what, maybe 10 by 20, 16 by 20 room, mm-hmm. I may sit in there all day long. And how often do my eyes, the lenses of my eyes, focus on something that is far away from me? Because my life is lived in a box. You know, mm-hmm. um, I made the furthest I may look is the stop sign down the end of my street before I, before I get there. How often do I focus on a mountaintop very, very far away? You know, and another one, again, as that uh, quote pointed out, how often do I really look at the darkness? Mm -hmm. 
how often am I out, you know, in a, in a pitch black night where the moon is, is at its, at its wane and it's really dark. Like yeah. our eyeballs should experience that once in a while. You know, and that's something that many people flee from. Mm-hmm. So before we did this, I was like a nightlight sleeper. Mm. I had to have a nightlight. And when actually, when I went to college, I slept with my TV screen on all night long mm. for the quote unquote white noise. Mm. Like I just, I, it was like comforting to me. Mm. Um, and I actually did experience just terrible sleep, you know, and I didn't, I didn't equate it with the fact that I had the TV on all night. I equated it with like, well, I'm scared. I'm living by myself for the first time and this is just scary and I'm just scared. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's crazy for me to think that like I used to sleep with a, like a, big TV screen yeah. in my face yeah. all night. <laughs> well, I mean, should we dig into prudence a little bit? Yeah, please. A good time for that? Okay. I mean, it's just to wrap up that, that bit a little bit again, as I said, you know, we're not, we're not scientists and we're not here to, this is not a sciencey show. Our, our point here is simply to propose that in our lives, what we encountered is that digging into some of the science of sleep, some of the science of circadian rhythm that faces with a lot of uh, really interesting content because again, uh, as especially as Catholics, we are, we recognize that the human body we are, we are spirit and body. That's what it means to be a human. And so these things that affect the body, they're not unimportant. They're not, they're not, they're, they're part of the whole. And so the more we understand them, the more we see the majesty of God, but we also uh, have data with which to make more prudent decisions. And so again, what we're, what we're proposing here is that simply in our research, we, we became convinced of the need to prioritize sleep and sleep hygiene. You might say, you know, what we do to prepare for sleep. Um, we became very convinced of that. And Again, we pro- I think we all know that. We all know that sleep is important. And so then the question becomes, given that I know that, given that I have some of that reason, well, what do I do with that? What do I do with that idea? And that's where we get into some of our, our, our very normal, very ordinary day-to-day wrestling with this notion of sleep. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to start a little bit, again, going back to scripture. And, and just it's interesting noting how in scripture um, sleep is used... Uh, as a metaphor in different ways. You know, when we've talked about prudence, again, we make a, a big, big point of prudence on this show. And sometimes metaphorically, we compare prudence to being uh, not asleep, right? Prudence is going through life awake as opposed to just kind of sleeping through your life. So it's interesting how sometimes we use sleep to ref- to sort of image um, uh, a, a lack of, of thought, a lack of intentionality. Um, but it's, it's an interesting image because experientially we, we understand that image. We understand the image of, of, you know, uh, a person sleeping in kind of sleeping away their life, just kind of dozing through reality, not being intentional. But we also know all of us, uh, who have responsibilities, who have routines, who have things we have to do. And we, you know, we need to be awake for those things that we have to do that we do know that sleep is important. And oftentimes our struggle is not sleeping too much, but not taking the sleep, making time for the sleep, preparing for the sleep that we know we ought to do. Mm-hmm. And again, prudence is about looking to reality. And that's, that's all of reality. It's, it's the reality of the moral law. It's the reality of who God is. It's the reality of how he made us as humans. And it's the reality of, of our nature as human beings and what our bodies need. It's good. It's good stewardship. Yeah. You know, the prudent man looks ahead. And if we look ahead to, to the day ahead, we recognize that I, I, that's just the way God has made me. I need to get my sleep. And so, but, but how often do we, we fail at that obviously yeah. in so many ways. You know? So what are some, what are some habits 
or some first steps that we can use to begin. And I, everybody's, everybody's different. Like I read um, a chapter about shift workers. Mm -hmm. Okay. But shift workers need sleep too. So I think probably the first thing to do, if you're looking to create better sleep habits so that you can be refreshed and fully present in the life that God has given you every day would be to look at your life. Mm -hmm. You know, where is your sleep time and where you have your sleep time? What is it that you need to do to prepare you know, to get the melatonin going, you know, and then when do you want to wake up and make mm. waking up a, a habit? Yeah. You know, and, and this way of approaching it, again, this is, this is the habit of prudence here that you're talking about. Again, the prudent man looks ahead. So we look to reality and we recognize that the, that um, with our responsibilities and our needs in mind, that it's, it's a responsible, it's a just thing for us to do to, to have a plan for our sleep. You know, so that, that's a, that's a first thing. It's also just recognizing too, that, um, I think an important aspect of this is recognizing not just that it's, it's a prudent thing to, 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 uh, to take care of this aspect of our life, but also recognizing the effect of our sleep on our ability to be prudent. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all, you know, know those times when, again, we've stayed up all night watching Netflix or, or in some other wise, you know, goofed up our sleep. Or you've slept in way too late. Something and like that. The yeah. kids are like on top of you or you have to like get up and go to work right away and you're like rushing and you're frantic and you and get in kind of like automatic mode yeah. and you're missing You're things reacting, and, you're getting impassioned and emotional. It's hard to be prudent yeah. when you're in that state. But how often do we do, we, we so obviously do things that are going to produce that state. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of a bit of um, uh, Joseph Pieper. Again, I, I refer to his book on the Cardinal Virtues a lot. Um, but he was writing about so this thing called solertia, which is an aspect of prudence. And I want to read that real quick. He says, solertia is a perfected ability by virtue of which man, when confronted with a sudden event, like the kids getting up too early or something like that, does not close his eyes by reflex and then blindly, though perhaps boisterously take random action. Rather, with the aid of solertia, he can swiftly, but with open eyes and clear sighted vision, decide for the good, avoiding the pitfalls of injustice, cowardice and intemperance. Without this virtue of objectivity in unexpected situations, perfect prudence is not possible. In saying this, more is predicated than may be immediately apparent. Whoever has some understanding of the physico-spiritual structure of man knows to what extent physical and psychical health is necessary for the perfected ability of solertia, especially in that realm which is the site of neurosis, where it both originates and can be overcome." Um, here again, then, as in so many other things, we see the high and austere demands which the classical Christian doctrine of prudence makes upon physical alertness and health and upon trained physico-spiritual energies, unquote. So I, I love that bit here because he's talking about this, what he calls solertia, which is an aspect of perfected prudence, an aspect of being prudent, uh, um, but how it's connected to your, your physical health and readiness. Mm-hmm. That um, to, to be able to be perfectly prudent, to practice that virtue well, you need to not just be, you know, to have the right information. You have to have prepared yourself bodily. And if you're constantly doing things in your life, you know, in terms of your diet and your exercise or just getting trashy sleep all the time, it, it's going to be harder to be prudent, to make good decisions, to be attentive to reality, to be to not overreact or react wrongly in surprising situations. Mm-hmm. It's connected very closely to how we take care of our bodies. This actually kind of reminds me of um, when we have newborns. Yeah. It was such a huge game changer for me to realize that my babies were too tired 
to fall asleep. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, you hear babies being colicky and they just won't sleep, won't sleep, won't scream, 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 or like the witching hour, you know, like the five o'clock, six oh. o'clock <laughs> time where like the babies are just inconsolable. Uh-huh. Somehow someone taught me that like when the baby's mouth goes ow or they make like a rounded cry that they're tired. Mm-hmm. And so th- someone told me this right before our second baby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this might be real. This might not be real, whatever. Mm -hmm. But so I started paying attention to, oh, thank you. I think you're good, but just in case. Okay, thank you. Um, But so I started paying attention to our newborn's Mm -hmm. cries. And I could hear and tell when she was tired. And she was tired all the time. And whenever I would do something to like, I mean, she could have just woken up just fed like 15 minutes ago after like a two hour sleep and start making the ow sound with her mouth. Mm -hmm. And then I'd like nurse her or try to get her to sleep and she'd sleep for like another two or three hours. Like she was just always tired. And I'm like, well, of course, if they're always tired and they're just screaming, screaming, screaming because they don't know what to do with themselves, then like, yeah, yeah, you're going to have this colicky, screamy, screamy, screamy baby. Mm -hmm. And that was like our second baby, you know, like we've seen this every baby since. When you see it with with other kids as well. I mean, you know, so you know that like adults, we can handle ourselves better than babies. Hopefully some of the time. Yeah. We see that with our older kids as well. Like when a kid doesn't get good sleep, then they're cranky and they, they, Mm -hmm. they have no self-control, no control of their emotions the next day. We're like those evil parents who are like, (laughs) I think of the Simpsons when Bart uh, is in his room studying and like the kids are, no, 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 no. I don't know. It's, it's, it's some episode where like (laughs) there are kids outside and they have to go to bed early. Maybe they're at the Flanders' house. Um, and they, and they shut the drape real fast and they're like, (laughs) go to bed or something like that. But that's kind of how we are. We like shut the blackout blinds and turn on the orange night. Like, and we're like, good night children. Their kids are like, why is it still, but it's still sunshine. Good night. (laughs) But they, they behave better when they have a, and, and that's saying a lot. So our kids are not well behaved. (laughs) Like if you met our kids, they're they're insane, but they would be even more insane. I think if they didn't have enough sleep. Well, as are we, as are we. And so again, to wrap up this particular point here is just that there is this connection between our ability to practice virtue well and our sleep. And again, if this sounds weird to us, it's because we all carry a little bit of this latent dualism that as Catholics, Mm -hmm. we we have to kind of wean ourselves off of. We are body and spirit together and it is good. God looked on that creation. He said it is good. And Christ came and took on that nature, that human nature, and lived it out with us. It's a good thing. We need to embrace it. But we need to, in virtue, figure out how to organize it, how to approach it, how to, to go about it. Yeah, well. if, if the theology of the body is true, if this is something that we follow, it has reaching, it reaches into other aspects of our life other than just, than just sexuality. If our body... And our soul are really integrated. Mm. Then all of the, like all of these things matter. And I really love exploring this topic. Yeah. All of our human nature. So another uh, aspect here, you know, turning from, from prudence and justice proper, you know, thinking of this in terms of um, some of the other virtues and vices, you know, someone might object to this. Like when they think of sleep, they're mostly focusing on the fact that they can't get up in the morning. Yeah, where sleep is an indulgence to them. Maybe they don't they don't have enough time for sleep and they see the idea of sleeping more as an indulgence. And so we want we want to kind of, you know, parse out these lines a little bit. Well, is sleep uh, a luxury? Is it an indulgence? When is sleeping like what's the difference between sleeping in 
when we know we oughtn't versus, um, uh, versus, you know, sleeping the, the, the amount that we've planned for, you know, really this, again, it gets back to prudence here that, uh, uh, what separates, um, well, again, do we have a plan for sleep? We know that it's important. So have we made a plan for it? And are we sticking to that plan? I think it starts at night. I really do. The night before. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't get up at the time you should, even if you have a late night. Mm -hmm. But um, I found the biggest difference in terms of us being able to get up in the morning was that we weren't staying up or doing crazy things or looking into, you know, light Mm -hmm. things or watching like laughy, you know, a bunch of faces on TV until we went straight to bed. And then we're just like up in bed, like trying to fall asleep for a long time. Um, so for me, making sure that I'm not staying up way, way, way too late. Yeah. Um, and then we, we have this little trick that we do when we're trying to get back into the habit of waking up early. Um, maybe someone will appreciate this. Um, we set a second alarm <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. a minute later than the alarm that's next to our bed. We set the second alarm outside of the children's bedroom the baby's bedroom so that if we don't get up fail safe and get out of bed, the alarm is going to wake the baby up and nobody wants that. And it works. It's a pretty bold move. isn't It, it? really yeah. is. It really is. And actually, so that's, that's a great habit to get into daytime brain, make decisions about your nighttime habits in the daytime. Don't make them in the nighttime. I think being a mom who's up a lot with young babies, I think nighttime brain is crazy. I think you're meant to be sleeping. And when you're up at nighttime, your brain does crazy things. And so make decisions in the nighttime, find yourself an accountability partner and make sure you're getting, you know, you're turning your lights off or you're trying to get into bed Mm -hmm. or you're deciding no blue screens or whatever. At a certain time, find yourself an accountability partner um, who might text you at 730 every day for a couple of weeks just to make sure you're doing it. Um, Because as soon as you start watching that show, there's just, there's another show and there's another show and there's another show and you don't want to stop. And then you want to order takeout, which I'm saying this because this is what we do. Yeah. You know, we sit down and then we're like, Oh, nachos would be amazing. John Mark, will you go to Rite Aid and get yeah. us some chips? And this is again, why the, the habits for both, you know, before you go to sleep and the habits for when you wake up, they're so crucial. They, they really set the day and they really set up the next day. Um, you know, because again, at that, those times of day when you're, you're least able to think straight, you, you have to rely on routine and habit that you've built up over time, uh, so that you, you know what to do in those circumstances. Certainly in the morning, waking up in the morning, we've talked a lot about the, the heroic minute, you know, that's a classical mm-hmm. kind of spiritual exercise, rec- recognizing that that first decision of the day to get up when I decided to get up, that can start off your whole day. Well, to get up. And as, uh, I think, uh, Ignatius says, or maybe it's, um, Jose Maria Escriva says, um, start the day with a spiritual thought, you know, wake up, turn your mind to God and get up, you know, and that's this heroic minute to start the day off like that. But I want to turn back again to the night before, because I want to think through some of the reasons here. Why do we stay up? What are some of the reasons that we, we stay up when we oughtn't to? And I think there's a, there's a number of reasons there. You know, one is that many of us, and you just alluded to this a moment ago, we stay up because the night is this time when we're, partic- we're particularly prone to just want to indulge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Thessalonians, First Thessalonians uh, talks about this a little bit. Uh, but you are not in darkness, brethren, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. 
For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. I love that little bit there that those who, those who sleep, sleep at night. You know, there's, a, there's something that night is for, and it is for this sleep, especially this sleep received as a gift from God and embrace in obedience to God mm-hmm. is a good thing. Whereas those who stay up, again, oftentimes, why do we stay up? It's because night is the time when, huh, the kids are asleep. I have no responsibilities. I've got this whole night ahead of me. I can indulge. You know, yeah. let's order Let's order it and, and, and binge on the latest, yeah. you know. Or it's not work time. Right. You know, if you don't have kids, even like it's not work time. So... But we, we again, if we're if we turn to reality, if we're prudent here, we know that that has that has an impact. We know that that has a consequence, um, and it's this this simple equation, this question of do I trust God enough to obey Him and receive this gift of sleep so that tomorrow I can be, can be prudent. You know, another reason that uh, people have have difficulty sleeping certainly is that it's difficult to wind the mind down to be calm and to be able to to sleep well. And I found some neat some verses from. From Sirach on this, uh, Sirach uh, chapter 31, verses 1, wakefulness over wealth wastes away one's flesh, and anxiety, anxiety about it removes sleep. Wakeful anxiety prevents slumber, and a severe illness carries off sleep. Healthy sleep depends on moderate eating. He rises early and feels fit. The distress of sleeplessness and of nausea and colic are with the glutton. That's scripture giving us this like that's concrete like, sleep. That's r- almost exactly rhythm what I read from the Jaminese. Exactly. It's, it's in the Old <laughs> Testament here. Can you read the second part of that again? Like, Yeah. The healthy sleep depends on moderate eating. He rises early and feels fit. The distress of sleeplessness and of nausea and colic are with the glutton. So that's one actually we didn't talk about earlier. But, you know, yeah. another thing if you dig into the sleep research is that you want to have a window of not eating before sleep time because you want your body to digest and kind of be at peace so it can go into the hormonal activities that are supposed to be of the night, which you can't do if you've just eaten a giant meal right beforehand. Yeah, I think I was reading somewhere that melatonin and insulin together are just like disastrous for the body. Right. But this this point of of another reason we stay awake is precisely because we have we have anxiety where we want to stay up and think more. And again, you referenced this earlier that sometimes instead of going to sleep, we want to stay awake and try to solve all the problems of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, whether that's actually in do, doing more work or whether that's, you know, trying to solve them all in our mind and our, our restless kind of obsessing over them. We, um, we want to stay awake for that. And again, that there's a little bit of a lack of trust in God there yeah, because he wants to give us this time to, to rest and relax and recover. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a great act of faith to say, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to let go of this day and give it mm-hmm. to you. And, and, pick it up again in the morning. You know? I really struggled with that for a long time. When you were mm-hmm. getting into circadian rhythm stuff, I would be really resentful. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, well you get to go to an office all day and like think your own thoughts. And like, I'm here and the kids are screaming at me all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm always like on eight, nine, 10 stress level. And like when the kids are in bed, I just want to sit and think. And it took me, I did. I like, this was really an act of obedience to my husband. And I like, I say this really like, this is not me. Okay. I'm, I'm always my own autonomous person to a fault. And so being saying like, okay, my husband really wants this. He's really working on his health. I can't have all the lights on right now. I'm just going to trust that God is going to take care of my brain and my thoughts and all the things I want to think. And he's going to refresh me for tomorrow. And that was 
that was really hard, but I really think it was worth it. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard getting over the resentment of the fact that like nighttime is my time because there are no kids up. Right. Well, we could talk for hours about, you know, different ways that we've discerned this over the years. Cause that's kind of our point here is that again, prudent ha- prudence has to be first. And so with this aspect of our life, as with any other, we constantly have to turn back to the reality and then look at the situation and say, how do I discern this? Well, I mean, one other example is that, you know, especially when we've got newborn babies in the house and you're not getting much sleep with them. Okay. I, I'm not good at getting up and taking care of the baby, but we, we had to have those conversations outside of sleep time. Cause you can't have yes. a, you can't have a conversation about sleep habits no. in the middle of the night when you're groggy, no. you have to other times say we need to plan. And I had to, yeah. I had to plan ahead of time and I had to have it in my head that wait, if the baby wakes up, I need to get up and mm-hmm. do X, Y, or Z, you know, so that we, we both can continue to get back to sleep. I had to kind of change my habits, but it took, it took again the prudence of looking at the situation, talking to you and making a plan for it. Yeah. That, that was really important for us to realize because even if we were to make it like a sober sound plan for nighttime yeah. with newborns during the daytime, I would still in my crazy nighttime brain, I really think nighttime brain is crazy in my crazy nighttime brain. I would be like, the baby's going to die and I'm this and he's not safe. No, no, no. I'll get it. You go back to sleep as if I'm being some kind of like martyr. Like, no, you need your sleep. Even though we planned right. that, like you would give up some sleep so that the baby finally goes to sleep and I can get some sleep and we all don't like just have mental breakdowns the next day. Um, yeah. So we, I we learned a lot about ourselves and each other and virtue yeah. just through that, those conversations yeah. and those Try and you know, run the program, see how it worked, run it again, you know? Yeah. And really the key was making decisions when you're awake. Yeah. Prudence. Yeah. Making decisions when you're awake and how, you know, and looking at how the night before failed mm-hmm. and saying, how can we make this not fail next time? Yeah. Or, you know, you act a little crazy at nighttime. You're going to let me get up and get the baby or I give you permission to wake me up when I look sound asleep and I'm not getting up. Cause that was another thing where you do feel like there's this both resentment, but then also like, like, Oh, I'm going to give him the sleep that he mm-hmm. should have, but I hate him because yeah. he has useless boots you can't, you and can't, can't think, nurse the you baby. You can't think with your emotions there. You have to say, <laughs> no, we have a plan and we got to carefully go about it. Yeah. yeah. So again, we don't want to, you guys may get tired. We don't want to go this too long, but I do want to move into one, one more bullet point here, which is, um, in thinking of this in terms of, of the virtues, again, the preeminence of prudence here, the justice of recognizing, you know, where this fits in our life and how it affects our responsibilities and our ability to be prudent, recognizing some of the reasons why we sleep in and some of the reasons why we stay awake and how those are not necessarily prudent things. And so we have to, have to, uh, uh, look at those and make a plan. But also I, the last point I want to address is just how I, I mentioned it earlier, how going to sleep, not falling asleep, but, but choosing to go to bed, how there, there's a, there is such a, there is a courage and a faith to that. Because again, as we said earlier, sometimes we want to stay awake because we want to sol- solve all the problems in the world. Um, and to put that aside and to lay down, to, to lay down, to be vulnerable, to just, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I mean, think about this in the context of a wild, you know, like the, the trust, you know, it, it takes, you know, the faith it takes to lay down and you're vulnerable to wild animals and you're vulnerable to, you know, you're asleep. You're, you're dead to the world for a, a period of time. It's a, it's a certain faith that you put in God when you say, oh, well, as the, as the, the classic prayer goes, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord, my soul to take. I mean, it is an act of faith 
and obedience to go to sleep. Yeah, if you have an opportunity to observe a sleeping newborn baby. Mm-hmm. That is, that's how God says we ought to act in his arms. Yeah. And really, you're right. Anything can happen to you there. They are extremely vulnerable. They are completely dependent on your goodwill and the fact that you're going to hold them. Yeah. And take care of them. And that oh. is how. Oh, could you hear me? <laughs> I don't know. Look, it probably didn't matter. Yeah. That was God's will that you didn't hear what I just said. Have a good day. Well, the sleeping cat that was on my lap this entire time has gotten up and woken up. So perhaps this is the end of our episode. Yeah. Well, one of the things I wanted to say here before we go is just to how... Man, I wrapped that up so neatly. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to continue with some more. (laughs) Go ahead, love. Just that, you know, it's, as I like to say, you know, we find ourselves in this particular fairy tale that God's built for us. You know, so many aspects of it could be different, but they just are the way they are. It's weird, and you're just going to have to hold that. I'm not I sure am. how to fix it. It's weird that. if you if you stand back and look at it like a, aliens looking down on, on the earth. It's weird that like all beings on earth once a day for some period of time just go unconscious and just stay there. Um, it's it's a it's sort of a weird thing. Experientially, phenomenologically, it's it's um, I think one of the interesting th- interesting things about sleep is it's like a mini death that we experience. You know, once a day we we um, accept from God this bit of unconsciousness, this bit of, you know, letting go of our life, not knowing whether we'll pick it up again in the morning. You know, every day it really is a new gift because, you know, this this sea that we sail across unconsciously of sleep every night, mm. we don't know if we're getting to the other side of it. Yeah, that that's funny because uh, we watch our kids go through these seasons yeah. where they go from sleep is just a normal thing that they do mm-hmm. to being utterly terrified like our seven-year-old for a while, every single night when she'd go to bed, she was aware now that she was going to fall asleep and she wouldn't be awake to watch, but she was terrified of tornadoes. And she'd be like, mommy, did you check the weather channel? Is there going to be a tornado tonight? And no matter how many times I'd tell her, she was aware of the fact that she was going to go to sleep now. And during that sleep, anything could happen and she couldn't run from it because she'd be sleeping. Well, and one of the things that we picked up as a family this year, and I think we've talked about it elsewhere, we're going to talk about it more in the future, but we've begun praying um, Compline or the night prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours together. And what's wonderful about it, it, there's there's one for each day of the week, but there's a lot of similarity across these days, a lot of common prayers. But the Psalms used in that that prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours and some of the common refrains and antiphons, they a lot of them have to do with sleep. A lot of them have to do with this trust in God. They're preparing you for sleep. You know, one, one that comes to mind that we taught Lucy, who you were just talking about, you know, this, this antiphon that comes up often, night holds no terrors for me, sleeping under God's wings. You know, it's from the Psalms and it's this wonderful expression of um, our trust in God, but also, uh, again, a very embodied incarnational trust. We trust God and we go to sleep. We accept mm-hmm. this gift from him. You know, and, and again, elsewhere, the, 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 the prayer that ends night prayer each night, um, may, the, um, may the all-powerful God grant us a restful night and a peaceful death. You know, every night we, we have a bit of a memento mori in going to sleep, saying, Lord, I've, I've done my work today, and now it's time for sleep. I know, I know reasonably, prudently, this is the time for me to go to bed. And so I'm going to obediently go to bed and receive this gift from you. And in trust, I'm going to lay down my life. And if you want to give it back to me in the morning and I wake up, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably enough. Probably time for a nap. Yeah. 
So, wow, lots of stuff. We're going to have, you know, lots of links in the description here. Some of the books we mentioned, you know, if you really want to get into more of the research side of the health and the science of, of sleep, you can go research that. Uh, but also some some helpful scriptures and quotes about this topic. And again, we encourage you to explore uh, that material. But again, think about uh, where this fits in your life, where this fits in your prudent discernment of your time uh, and your energy and, and your preparation um, today's preparation for tomorrow's prudence, you know, think through that. And especially if you're married, talk about it with your spouse, you know, make a plan. It doesn't have to be a perfect plan. Just make a plan, run the plan, see how it went. And then you can tweak it if it needs tweaked, you know? So anyway, thank you for joining us again for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Uh, we, if you like what we're doing here on this channel, uh, be sure to, to subscribe and follow Awaken uh, Catholic. And if you, if you, um, like what Awakened Catholic is doing, this this notion, this vision of bringing truth through beauty, through you know beautiful, authentic Catholic content, will join the Awakened Nation. You can go to awakencatholic.org slash donate, and we really appreciate your support. Also download the Awaken app and download the Hallow app. Uh, it's not only a great Christian meditation app, but it's got some amazing pre-sleep wind down meditations and and stories and and uh, white noise stuff it's uh, actually got some neat functions in there for those who are trying to prepare themselves for a good night of sleep so check that out that's hallow.app slash awaken and of course if you get the pre three no i need more sleep free premium 30-day subscription then that supports our ministry so uh, we appreciate that so thank you again for joining us for this episode we hope you'll do so again next week God bless. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.